0: Hey everyone my name is nicole i'm brenna i'm reed and this is fit click this is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction each episode the three of us each bring a fic to discuss Brenna what did you bring this time
1: so my fic for this week is called pairing pendragon slash merlin um as you could probably guess this is a merlin fic for the pairing arthur merlin <laughs> <laughs> there really aren't any surprises there um it's by an anonymous author uh it was posted for a kink meme on live journal
0: um yeah i'm excited to talk about it nick what's yours my fic for this episode is called Skybird by Windswept Fic. It is a crossover for the fandom's Inception 2010 and White Collar. The main pairing is Arthur slash Eames. And coincidentally, this is weird, uh, mine was also originally hosted on Live Journal at a kink meme. Reid, what did you bring?
2: My fic is What All This Time Was For by Lady underscore Ragnall. It is a daredevil fic. It is Matt Murdock Foggy Nelson. Um... It was not originally hosted on LiveJournal, but it was done for a kink meme.
1: Yes, so as you might have gathered from those uh, fic descriptions, um, all of our fics this week were originally for kink meme fills. Um, this started to happen by accident. Um, Nick and I chose ours individually, and then we sort of bullied Reed into also picking a fic <laughs> <laughs> that was from a kink meme, even though Reed said, I don't know how to find that, but... She did it, so I'm very proud, um. <laughs> but yeah, I thought we could kind of pick this off a little bit by talking about like what kink memes are, um how they functioned in fandoms and like our experiences or like lack of experiences
0: with them. yeah, I think we have different degrees of familiarity with kink memes. I would put myself in the middle, probably. Um, I did read for them when I was a bit younger and they were more prevalent and I have written a few fills anonymously that are now lost to the sands of time. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> remember everything that I've written and posted and just kind of let disappear into the ether. Um, but I think they were they were part of my fandom experience for sure but they were never the main place where I was finding fic or engaging with fandom necessarily.
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> so like... Have I read Fix for kink memes before? Yes. Have I ever intentionally gone through a kink meme or, like, navigated the website Live Journal? Not really. (laughs) Um, I think, like, honestly, my biggest experience with kink memes would just have been following authors who I really liked and then, like, seeing stuff that they were posting and then reading their fics. Um, and then maybe exploring, like, the AO3 collection it was a part of beyond that. Um, but... Yeah, uh, as Brenna had mentioned, um, both Bren and Nick had individually picked their fics, and they were like, yeah, we don't have to do this theme, but, like, it'd be fun if we, like, all had a kink meme fic, um, and I was like, okay, well, like, how do I find that? Bren was like, yeah, just go, like, looking, like, you know, through a kink meme for a fandom you're in. (laughs) Well, I
1: said try and find a fic rec list, because actually sorting through them is hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: as I discovered... Going on Live Journal, I was like, this is so unnavigable for someone who doesn't know what's going on. Like, there are one million comments. Fix are hosted in the comments sometimes. I don't know how to sort through well, anything. Pretty much solely in the comments. Yeah.
0: Fix are the comments.
2: Fix are the yeah. yeah. I just I was very lost. Um, I I was sort of like down on my luck. Was like, you know what? Will I ever find a kink meme fic? I was like, you know what? That maybe we don't, so sad. I was like, maybe we don't do this theme. And then just in looking for random fix, I stumbled across this one and it happened to be a kink meme fill and it felt like it just worked. I was like, oh, I like this fic a lot. It just happens to be for a kink meme. That all worked out much easier than I thought it did. Um, but yeah, my, my fandom experience with kink memes is little to none. And my experience recently trying to go through live journal was harrowing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that's very fair. Like, coming back to them at this time, I think, would be much more difficult than when you're sort of following along as they're quite active. Um, I, like, never really wrote fills for kink memes. I wasn't really, like, writing in the times that I was reading primarily on them. But um, the kink memes for a bunch of the fandoms I was in uh, towards the beginning of my fandom experience were, like, really active and really popular. So I feel like I sort of started off finding fic on fanfiction.net, as many of us probably did. But then, like, LiveJournal and Kinks memes were sort of, like, a stepping stone for me between, like, fanfiction.net and, like, everyone pretty much transitioning to AO3, like, later on down the road. Um, yeah, I would just, like, check them daily and just scroll through and, like, see the new prompts, the new fills. Um, but for those of you who might be sitting here wondering, like, what the hell is a kink meme? I thought I might try and give a little bit of background. Um, so... There isn't like a necessarily a firm definition for them, but they're basically comment fic fests, uh, usually hosted on Live Journal or Dreamwidth. Um, most of the ones I participated in were on Live Journal, but you know, lots were on Dreamwidth as well. They're generally fandom-specific or sometimes pairing-specific and nearly always anonymous. Um, so most of the prompting is always done anonymously. People will post fills non-anonymously sometimes, depending on like the rules of that specific kink meme. Um, but a lot of it is Anon, and I think that's one of the things that's really kind of interesting about it and something I think we'll get back to, particularly in the discussion of my fic. Um, you might also be sitting here thinking, like, wow, I don't know about like a kink meme. That sounds like it could be kind of intense um I think kink memes definitely allowed people to prompt things that might have been seen as a little bit like, ooh, risque in (laughs) other, like, exchanges or fests, things that people might not want to necessarily put their username or handle on. But not everything was explicit. Not everything was kinky. It really could include anything. Um, So most of the stuff I was reading, like, I would not consider it necessarily that far outside, like, whatever I read now. (laughs) Um, I think different kink memes have sort of different flavors to them depending on like the fandom, depending on the people participating. Um but there can be like a wide range of what they include. Um I think they started I was looking at like the fan lore page last night just to brush up on my knowledge and see if there's anything (laughs) I like really didn't know about kink memes. Um, It seems like they started around like 2007 um, with like anime fandom and then just spread really fast. Uh, The ones I remember reading for the most in like my sort of early days of fandom were definitely the Merlin kink meme. Um, That was like the primary place I read Merlin fanfiction for sure. Um, The social network kink meme was big and the uh, X Men first class kink meme, I remember also being very
0: big. <laughs> Some classic fandoms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like, as opposed to a lot of other really highly regulated spaces and events, right, like a fic fest for a very specific theme or something, like the way kink memes develop, each one, like you said, Bren, does have kind of a different culture because it is just created by what people make, uh, which I always thought was really interesting and it is. They they do still exist, like you said, but they don't necessarily have the same level of prevalence in the fandoms that I've been in, at least. Uh, Which is, it's interesting. Some part of me is like, bring them back. Um, And some other part of me is like, I'm kind of into what's happening now. I guess they don't have to be mutually exclusive. (laughs) I don't know, I just think it's interesting. And like a lot of people, I think, definitely created a lot of work there that maybe they... Many of them, I'm sure, had better archival processes than I did. (laughs) It's not like, you know, they wrote, they didn't write like into the comment box and then post and then like refresh that page for a few days to see if people replied and said nice things and then like do the next part and then do that (laughs) for a while and then just like forget about it and then forget which kink meme it was specifically because there are multiple for the same fandom and there's so many pages on all of them that you can't even go back and find yourself and you think about doing like a control f or something you're like i feel like i probably wrote this word in there somewhere but someone else did too and you can't find your own (laughs) Uh uh-huh i mean i actually think that was probably a fairly common experience (laughs) please Picklets, let me know if this is relatable in any way i would love to hear that i was not the only one who acted like this
2: bren i think it's interesting that you said that the like primary amount of time that you were spending on live journal and kink memes was sort of your transition between um ff.net and ao3 because i think for me like I guess part of the reason why I, like, missed this whole section of fandom and fic is because um, I had started fic just on, like, specific websites. Like, I, the first thing I had found was, like, Harry Potter, and I was on, like, a specific, like, Harry Potter fic website. Um, and while I did, like, look at ff.net, I think for me, my transition was Tumblr. Um, reading primarily fic on, like, Tumblr, and then from there to AO3. Um, so there weren't a lot of, like kink memes that I saw being hosted on tumblr in the fandoms that I was in that's a really interesting
1: read like I think Tumblr's how I found kink memes for sure like Tumblr's definitely like where I got pointed to a lot of fic I think um like I realized like the people I followed would like post lists or mention something that was being hosted somewhere and then I would just go explore on my own but I don't think I ever like read fic hosted on tumblr other than
0: like tiny drabbles and stuff like that That is interesting. I definitely wrote fic on Tumblr, and I have a couple of series of, like, very short fics, none longer than, like, 2 or 3k, that, like, stitched together under a tag on Tumblr that I never posted anywhere else. But, yeah, I don't know, because that, for me, was, like, 2014-ish, so, like, could I have cross-posted other places? Yeah, but I think people at that time, at least, in the fandoms that I was in, were also reading On Tumblr, like, people would be reblogging my fic and, like, leaving stuff in the tags. Yeah, I think by that point I was mostly posting on AO3, though. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, it's interesting. Like, I definitely saw also stuff being posted on Tumblr while I was reading on ff.net, but I never really saw Tumblr as a place where I would host anything longer than like two or three thousand words max because it just was like if someone's theme is different if they're on mobile like good luck as soon as if, if you don't finish that in one sitting it's game over your dash is kind of refresh <laughs> and then who knows where that went I
2: don't know I think even when I was reading fic a lot on tumblr it was never the only place that I was reading fic um because I mean I'm, I'm thinking about like I don't I can't remember a specific time when like AO3 became the primary place I read fic but I do know that I was reading Avengers fic on AO3 and that was 2012. So how much fic was I reading before then One of other sites? Like not, <laughs> not a whole lot. Like I think, I don't know. I don't think I had a, a huge migration period from sure. before AO3 to a little bit of Tumblr and AO3 to like basically just AO3.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also don't imagine you had a Tumblr-only phase. Like, I will not look anywhere else. This is where (laughs) I want to read my fanfiction. I'm sorry, you're hosting on AO3. I can't go there. I I do not see it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mine all definitely, like, overlapped a lot. It wasn't, like, clear-cut. Okay, like, (laughs) October 22nd, like, 2010, (laughs) I've stopped reading on (laughs) fanfiction.net.
2: I would have loved to see
1: that
0: in a childhood journal, though. (laughs) Friendship ended with (laughs) 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 fanfiction.net.
2: Now LiveJournal is my only friend. I think I was, I definitely
1: felt like late to the game with LiveJournal. Like the King memes and stuff were navigable. And I I did make an account so I could follow people's, a couple like authors' journals and stuff. But I never really used it. It definitely felt like the community there uh, was slightly like more established like and potentially slightly older than me at the time too so it didn't really feel like a space i was trying to enter i was mostly just sort of peeking in from the edges and like tumblr is definitely my, more of my main fandom space i would just like read largely outside of it but yeah i also thought nick what you were saying about um like oh there being sort of like points that are appealing about like kink mm-hmm. meme still now and then other things where you're like hmm, maybe I like the way that we're doing it now is is a really interesting one and and something I definitely kind of want to get into with my thick, but um it did sort of make me miss the like anonymous nature of things I think like having everything be anon or like largely anon definitely has its downsides I don't want
0: to be like oh it's great like (laughs) there's nothing wrong with it nothing can go wrong when people are anonymous on the internet is (laughs) what I heard actually (laughs) I don't want to be putting that
1: out out into the world of my (laughs) statement. Um, But I also think, like, we've sort of moved into a a space in fandom where I feel like there's this sort of hyper-focus on the persona, like, that you've created for yourself as a fic writer. Um, And part of that is nice. Like, you get to know people a little bit more. You kind of have, like, a more familiar relationship, I think, sometimes with, like, the people whose fic you're reading. But the other time, I feel like in some big fandoms especially like, individual authors can get dogpiled so quick and so fast in ways I didn't used to see in fandom, where things were just, like, people doing their own things without saying who they were or what they were doing. (laughs) No, I mean, I think this is something I'm going to go into more, like, with with my fic in particular, because it is intrinsically about fanfiction. It is fanfiction about fanfiction. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm interested in sort of thinking about and discussing the ways that, Uh, fic posting and fic writing and filling prompts, filling fests have changed over the last 10 or so years.
2: Well, also, um, when you were talking about sort of what kink memes are and how they can uh, encompass a lot of things that are not, like, risque or whatever, but I think by nature of being anonymous, people would be more likely to prompt and to write things that, like, maybe they wouldn't want to have associated with their public persona for one reason or another. Um, Like, I know people who have created, like, shell AO3 accounts to post fic that they don't want with, like, their other fic, and I think that's perfectly valid and understandable, um, but it's sort of like, okay, because, like, you, you can be anonymous on AO3, but I think it's, um, not as common, and especially if you're just posting a fic as opposed to filling something like a kink meme where a lot of people are going to be anonymous anyway.
0: Mm -hmm. Pairing us this fic. Let's go, Brenna. (laughs)
1: Oh my god. Alright, so my fic for this week is called Pairing Pendragon slash Merlin. Uh, Like I said, this is a Merlin fic, and the pairing is Arthur Merlin. (laughs) Not a lot of surprises on that front. To start off with, I'm just going to read you the prompt that this was in response to, because I think it sums it up. (laughs) And is funny. Um, so the prompt that this fic was a fill for says, Arthur is a BNF and Merlin is his prized beta. (laughs) Um, if you don't know what that means, um, BNF stands for big name fan. I don't feel like it's used as much anymore, but it definitely used to be used a lot, a lot more frequently. Um, yeah. Fans who's, who are just really well known in fandom usually got that way by posting quite popular fics. Um... Betaing is is what we've discussed prior. The person who reads and edits your fic, um, that it still exists. <laughs> um, so this is a modern AU. Um, they are both in their like mid twenties, living in England. Um, in the year like twenty eleven, because that's when this fic was posted. <laughs> um, and they are both on LiveJournal Journal in the fandom for the stars TV show Camelot which is also based on Arthurian legend. So the joke is pretty much that they are these characters who are Arthur and Merlin, who are now in fandom for other characters who are also Arthur and Merlin, but a different adaptation. (laughs) Um, Arthur writes fic. He is very popular in fandom. Um, Merlin basically signs up to help him beta a pretty long fic project without knowing that it's Arthur. Yeah, so Arthur basically uses a, like, sock puppet fake account to ask for a beta, um, and Merlin's like, yeah, I can do that. Like, everything that this person asks for is, like, very much in line with what I can offer as a beta and, like, what I like reading, what I know about, um, so they, like, strike up this sort of writer-editor relationship, um, and then end up falling in love because it's fan fiction. (laughs) You love to see it. Um... I don't think that there are any sort of like major content warnings for this fic. Uh, it's generally quite lighthearted. Um, the thing I did sort of want to point out, though, is this fic is written... <clears throat> this fic was written nearly 10 years ago, and it exists very much as a portrait of fandom at that time. This is largely what makes it, I think, quite delightful and what I'm excited to talk about. But there are some things I want to note alongside that. Um there's definitely some some sort of fandom language as well as some descriptions of people, I guess, in this fic that uh, are pretty questionable by today's fandom standards. Um, I think if I was reading this fic that had been posted in 2020, I'd be like, oh, no. But at the same time, I remember people talking like this very much in fandom at this time. So I definitely don't want mean this is like like an indictment on this author um just as more something to be cognizant of when you're going in uh there was some language that was kind of iffy around uh gender and like transgender like conversations um there's some sort of side fat phobia comments um not all of these are presented in like a positive light in the fic but they're also not necessarily like condemned by the fic um and i think the thing that stuck out to me the most was also just sort of a bit of, like, gender essentialism regarding, uh, the characters themselves. They don't know each other's gender identity until they meet, like, IRL for the first time, like, towards the end of this fic, um, and there's a lot of, sort of, internal conflict ahead of time as they're starting to develop feelings for each other regarding, like, what the other person's gender identity is, and the way it's handled in this fic is not super comfortable to read. If that is, if that is a sensitive topic for you, um... You might just want to be cognizant of that going into this fic. It's not like a central component, but it definitely did stick out to me. Um, So I just wanted to mention that before we get into it. Yeah, so I I've had this fic sort of on my on my list for a while to bring for Fit Click. Um I read this when it was first posted on the Kink meme. Um and I came back to it I think actually when I was starting to compile a list of potential picks, like before we started recording the show. I was like going back through fandoms I really loved, trying to remember fics I loved before I ever started bookmarking things on AO3 or like really keeping track of what I read. Um and I reread this and I was like, oh my god, this is delightful. (laughs) um i thought we'd be able to have a really good conversation about it too uh due to its nature as a sort of portrait of fandom nearly 10 years ago and so much of it is not just fandom but like fic writing fandom in particular um so when we were trying to decide our picks for last time i was like oh god you guys i don't know what to bring what should i bring and nick was like hey how about that one merlin fic you mentioned once and i was like ah perfect (laughs) (laughs) um Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about this. There's a lot of sort of just reading rereading this fic was like a big wave of fandom nostalgia for me um both just the physical act of reading it is still only hosted on LiveJournal in its original formatting um so generally just having the page open with like the merlin kink meme url with like the little icon that hasn't changed in like 10 years like the formatting of it i was like oh my god and then the actual content too is just like a big wave of fandom nostalgia so i'm excited to get into it but i wanted to know what you guys thought
0: Yeah. Talk about a blast from the past. Holy cow. (laughs) I read this and I was like, yeah, I, I guess I was in fandom 10 years ago because I remember a (laughs) lot of this. It's wild. And it was so interesting because I feel like sometimes you'll see either like, we've talked about the different subsets or like subtropes of like the characters being in fandom, um, but I feel like I haven't often seen, like, the actual beta-ing process happen in the fic. That was something I really loved about this one, of, like, getting to see Merlin's comments and stuff. We'll get into that. But I thought it utilized the formatting really well, and that could not have been easy to accomplish. Um, I thought that the characters were really fun and interesting. The language, yeah, wow. <laughs> People spoke like that, and so did I. Um Woo! <laughs> it's just funny like it very much did feel like a time capsule like I was looking back and I and I was at something that was created right when I was getting into fandom 2011 is the year that I got into fandom so like really seeing that specific moment it was cool to be able to look back um and remember exactly what that looked like when I don't necessarily have records in the same way that I might have like my past three or four years of fandom where like I was more frequently on social media and less frequently sort of lurking and then occasionally posting fic, though I have gotten a few um, peeks in the author's notes of my first ever fix that I posted. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was it was interesting. It was not what I expected, honestly. And I think, like, because Brenna had told us very clearly, she was like, this was written in 2011 and it reads like it was written in 2011 and like it is exactly what fandom was at that time and I was like okay and I got in and there was like there was one part where one of the characters was made some announcement about this convention that was coming up and was like okay like gif spam me in the comments so we can all squee at the pretty and I was like wow <laughs> yeah. yeah let's let's squee at the pretty together everyone <laughs> Hey, Ficklets, give me in the comments. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Ficklets. Gosh, yeah, I don't know. Like, there definitely was some stuff that pinged to me as like, ooh, that's not how the people that I fandom with speak anymore, and I'm very glad. Um, But there was also some stuff that I was like, wow, the the unabashed joy and the lack of, like, people pointing and being like, ooh, cringy. like, that made me very happy. Like, it was fun to kind of come back to. This, like, extreme explosion of enthusiasm that is so unironic and is so, like, unself conscious. I thought that was, like, a really fun mindset to try and jump back into.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had a, a very similar experience um, where Brenna had said, like, 2011 and I we went in... You <laughs> were I, I had this dual experience of, on the one hand, being, like, absolutely delighted because... Um, we've talked about media fic a bunch on this pod, um, and there were some, like, aspects of multimedia in this that I hadn't seen before, um, like, mm-hmm. their Gmail conversations, and that was one of those things where I was like, yes. oh my god, my nostalgia, <laughs> and then there were other things where I was reading it just sort of in agony, um, <laughs> like, gif spam me in the comments, I was like, oh god, yeah, I did also used to talk like this, um, where it was both an enjoyable trip down memory lane and also a little bit horrifying.
0: Yeah. Also, I feel like getting into fandom, there's, like, different, like, expectations. I don't know. My first ever post on Tumblr reminded me of this. The title was, Who's That Girl? And the body was me talking about myself so people
2: would know who (laughs) I was.
0: I'm obsessed with that.
2: (laughs) Oh, there's, like, a bit of the fic where, like, Arthur is, like, digging for any information about Merlin he can find, and, like, one of the only things is this, like, aesthetic photo (laughs) of, like, Chucks that, um, Merlin had taken, and for, like, an Ask meme, and I was, like, I can visualize seeing Uh uh these converse, like, on Tumblr over and over and over again. Um, so... While it was like mildly agonizing sometimes to be reminded of my past, uh, it was also very fun. Um, also just like, yeah, like the the formatting, like the multimedia aspect of it, like that we got to see um, like Merlin's beta comments and we got just some like um, prose from both of their point of views. And we got um, different like texts and like chats between Merlin and Arthur and Merlin and Guinevere and like all of these people, um, it was really fun. I also was a little bit lost at first, um, I think by nature of this being hosted on LiveJournal and referring a lot to LiveJournal, like, there was a thing that was like, oh, and Merlin scrolled through, fail fandom anon, and I was like, "Uh uh-huh, and I I know what that is, (laughs) I don't know, there were some acronyms and stuff where I was like, some of them I could Google, some of them I was just sort of like, okay, I'm along for the ride and the fic will either explain it to me or it won't. Or I will just assume that this is, like, part of live journal culture that I was not around for. Um, but even not fully knowing, like, what all the references were, it still felt very emblematic of, like, fandom history. And so that was just very enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, like, we keep saying 2011, but I think this fic actually reads even earlier than that. Yeah. Um I'm using that date as, like, the, for the post that we're looking at, which is actually the post that, like, the mods transferred from the original kink meme, because I think it was posted in, like, many, many comment installations, and that's pretty hard to go back to, so because this was quite a popular fill, it kind of got moved to be a much more, like, readable post, and that was posted at the very beginning of 2011, like, January 2011. This... Phil was probably started before that, like sometime in 2010. And I think this reads even kind of earlier than that. It's clearly written, I think, by someone who's been in fandom for a number of years at this time and has that sort of knowledge as their fandom experience. Um, Because I think like some of the things that are referenced in this, I I mean, I remember them, but I was never really into them. Like the, um, yeah, like it it mentions the like anon fail memes, uh, which are generally memes where someone has failed making an anon comments like they'll write something mean but fail to mark themselves as anonymous so it uses their username (laughs) and then other people like post that being like yikes sucks to suck (laughs) but (laughs) but all kinds of stuff like that like I remember these existing but I was a little bit like I said I was just sort of peeking in the edges of LiveJournal it wasn't my major fandom experience so these things I'm familiar with but I can also tell that this fic was written by someone who had been in fandom for a while longer than me and whose experience was really entrenched in this platform and, like, this way of doing things. Um, and I think it's funny, like, the backstory that they kind of give to Merlin and Arthur in some ways, too. Like, Merlin is also kind of a lurker. He, like, writes some fic, but he's not that well-known. He's, like, a few friends. Guinevere is his definitely his closest, like, fandom friend in this. Um, and they're, like, always in each other's, like, G-chat. <laughs> Which is, like, put in here a lot, which is really adorable. I love how that's formatted. And Guinevere is such a delight. Like, what Nick was saying about um, sort of just unabashed enthusiasm is exactly Guinevere here. Like, she she's never like, oh, sorry, that was cringe. She's just, like, <laughs> full 100 all the time. <laughs> Um, and then Arthur is, like, this kind of much more, like, mysterious, like, big name fan, and I think that the intro that this fic has for him is so funny. Um, the fic basically starts with Merlin having gotten a comment from Arthur, who's, who's, live journal handle username is Pendragon. So he got a comment from Pendragon on one of his fics and he and Gwen are like freaking out about it.
0: Also Pendragon sounds like such a name that like a big name writer would right? have in <laughs> like especially for like even if Arthur's name last name wasn't Pendragon, like in, in the lore, yes. it would still be such a good name for like a writer for a fantasy show. Oh absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Having like a having a distinctive like one word mm-hmm. name
2: that's it baby <laughs> um listen here Ficklets. if you want the keys to becoming a bnf yeah we are the people to ask oh uh uh-huh. we're definitely the
0: people to ask
2: <laughs> we are all bnfs uh-huh
0: big nerd fans <laughs>
2: yeah oh, oh no <laughs> um
1: but yeah so they're freaking out about it and then the fix sort of enters us to to Arthur, but from Merlin's POV, so to Pendragon, really. Um, and and the way that it does it, I think, is so funny. I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. <laughs> it's, it goes, Pendragon. Everyone knew Pendragon. Since Starz's Camelot had started, Pendragon had been there. He'd been in other fandoms before. He was a BNF and SGA, and he dabbled a bit in Legend of Seeker, and he was known for that one Harry Potter fic but it, but Camelot yeah that's where he was known ask at Camelot fic finders for a quote noob to the fandom search and you'd get reply after reply Pendragon just read everything that Pendragon has ever done now <laughs> so so I was like good. this is so delightful <laughs> like that's the language of a lot of this fic is this just very I don't know like, just so evocative of fandom at that time and I was thinking to myself like yeah, like, these fic writers I was getting into at this time, too, like, those were the other fandoms where I'd, like, go look at their, like, live journal histories or, like, their fic master posts pinned on their journals or whatever. <laughs> or, like, look at their AO3 if they had transferred things there. And, like, I just think that the way this fic makes, or, like, the way these this fic adapts Merlin and Arthur into these fandom personas is so well done. And, It's done so caringly and like lovingly as well to them. It's never like, ooh, yikes at being in fandom or like yikes at writing fic. Like it's so enthusiastic about everything that they're doing in the way that it's written. And I think that's one of the reasons that despite some of the language being kind of cringy now to us or kind of overly reminiscent of like our own embarrassing fandom pasts. Like I still found it so delightful. There are definitely moments where I was like, oh my god, yeah, I used to talk like that too. But for me, I like didn't even find it that horrifying. <laughs> Looking at my own Tumblr is more horrifying. Reading this fic was just fun for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can I just briefly talk about the moment when... Merlin finds out that he is beta-ing for yes, Arthur. go for it. Must.
1: Please talk about whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. So just backtracking, when Arthur like posts on a sock puppet looking for a beta, in Merlin's response, he goes, I'll call it like I see it. So if you're looking for someone <laughs> to be psychophantic, that's probably not me. Also, I don't know if I pronounced that word right, but regardless, I was like, this—if I was someone who posted and someone I didn't know responded to me like this—I would think, wow, badass. I would think, <laughs> I'd get out of like my I comments. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it—it it feels fitting for Merlin's character and also, again, probably the time period. But I just found that so funny. I was like, that's—it's kind of abrasive, Merlin. That's a—that's a strong start. He's but not
0: like other betas.
2: He's not like other betas. <laughs>
0: but God. Um,
2: Arthur does decide to take him on and after some like back and forth, like after Merlin has already been baiting for a little bit, Arthur's like, okay, I probably should actually tell this guy that I'm Pendragon. Um, so he does. So he, he emails Merlin because that's their primary form of communication. And when Merlin opens it, the fic reads, Merlin looked at the email, then he closed his laptop, then he opened it, closed it, opened it again. And that image was so funny to me. Yeah. Um, I just found that scene so delightful.
1: Yeah, that scene is so funny. And honestly, I just really enjoyed everything about um, their, like, beta writer relationship in this fic. Like, I feel like it's definitely different than what I've seen depicted in, like, the couple other fics I've read that sort of have some of the sort of fandom fic writing aspect to them. I found it interesting because... Like, we, as as the three hosts of this podcast and friends who write fic and beta for each other, we talk a lot about, like, what beta-ing looks like and, like, what we look for in betas, what we don't look for in betas, how the whole process works, the different types of things other people online seem to be looking for or not looking for. Like, what is good beta-ing? Like, those are conversations we've had a lot. And so I found that this, like, I found this to be an interesting take on that dynamic i think merlin's a good beta in this fic i also think he's pretty harsh (laughs) and there were times where i was like shit like i wouldn't say that i wouldn't even say that to the people who like i beta for a lot and like don't hold back from very much like Uh i am someone who i think like when i'm baiting something especially something that i i really want to make as good as possible like i i want to try and push the author a bit like (laughs) nick sorry this is just about you (laughs) like i mean i'll say what i really think but like the way merlin says it sometimes i'm like oh god dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he definitely does intersperse it with praise as well but not as much as like i think people do these days um and i i don't know it's interesting Like i don't know if this is just more how baiting was at this time i don't know if this is more of a, just a depiction of this author's like concept of what merlin beta-ing mythic would be like um but I just thought it was really interesting like and the formatting is so good too in this like it's it basically formats it like you're reading through the google doc that like Arthur shared and you're skiing all of their comments back and forth um and like Merlin's pretty much right every time but I saw him also like you don't need to say it
0: (laughs) yeah no it's really real it was so fascinating I love the way it was formatted you've got like the the one text that is the actual fic which sidebar I absolutely love reading fic within fic or like different stories within like a fic I think it's so fun to see like what the author chooses to do and how they want how they like morph their voice into something else and how that is supposed to evoke like what the character is and what they're writing and trying to accomplish I just think that's great but yeah it was really interesting to see like the the parentheses that like in the text like it wasn't the same like I'm commenting on a Google doc. This was like word track changes or this was like I'm directly in the text of an email, like putting things in comments in a different colored font. Like it was really really cool and it reminded me of like the first time anyone ever looked at my fic that wasn't my mom who told me that my fic wasn't even that good. Mother, I was 14. <laughs> she was like this isn't believable. I was like I'm 14. I didn't say that. I was just like okay, fine, never mind. Um anyway,
2: Sounds like your mom and Merlin have similar beta priorities. She calls it like she sees it. She's,
0: she said to me, Nicole, I'm not gonna be psychophantic in your dog. <laughs> God. God. I know. No, it was just interesting. Well, because it was funny, too, because we were talking about this in our pre-discussion, and I think, Reed, you were like, yeah, when he says, like, you're better than this. Like, that's so harsh. People wouldn't, like, say that. And Brenna was like, I have said that to you. <laughs> I was like,
2: I'm pretty sure I put that in Nick's doc, like, two days yeah. ago. <laughs> it wasn't the phrase, you're better than this. It was that in context with, like, all of the other comments he was leaving oh, where I sure. was like, you could be a little bit nicer, Merlin. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, all three of us have talked about the fact that we, like, when we want betas for a fix, we want yeah. people to push us. Like, I don't want a beta who will only say nice things, but also there's balance. Yeah.
0: Well, also I think knowing what's working can be as helpful as knowing what's not. Mm -hmm. So like, I think Arthur just would have had to assume that everything that was not getting slammed was really good because otherwise it all would have been marked up.
2: Well, there's an interesting point where, um, Merlin's like really going off Mm -hmm. and, um, Arthur kind of responds like shortly and Merlin's like, okay, well if I'm, if I'm being too harsh, like let me know. And Arthur was like, yeah, like you're being too harsh. Like just because, you're in a bad mood doesn't mean you have to take it out on me yeah. um and immediately after that merlin's like okay well and then goes into like a couple paragraphs of like all of the things he really loves about the fic and it's the most praise he's given uh, arthur so and it's good. so effusive um and i just thought that was such a good exchange too yeah
1: yeah that's actually that's very much what i wanted to bring up too because i think like you do get the sense that even though merlin's being harsh he's doing it because he really loves this fic. Yeah. And I think it works also because when he goes into this, he doesn't know who he's baiting for. He's just baiting for someone who he's found to be, like, a pretty great writer. Who mm-hmm. And, like, I think it's interesting, too, because we know his comments would have been different if he thought he was baiting for, like, BNF Pendragon, who he's looked up to for years, you know? Like, he would not be saying, like avoid the repetition like yeah. every few sentences or like I know you can do better than this and all of these kind of little like correct but also kind of petty sounding comments yeah, yeah. um and so I think it's interesting to sort of watch that like relationship develop um and I I really like the moments where we see how much Merlin does like the fic because it's like a good fic. I would read this fic that's in this fic, like, if it existed on its own. (laughs) It's very interesting. And, like, the concept that the author created for Arthur to be working with, like, is a really cool one. Um, It's obviously supposed to be, like, a very long kind of Mm -hmm. thinky premise fic, which I'm into. Um, So watching them sort of deal with that, I thought was really good. And there's a moment later on, where they're sort of dealing with how to put Morgana in the fic or, like, how to deal with her characterization, uh, or then they realize, like, oh, maybe that's just, like, a whole nother fic. <laughs> and I was, like, yes, I love this. Like, watching them sort of start to have this relationship where they can really go back and forth more about, like, what it will be and kind of collaborate, I think, a little bit more on, like, the big ideas behind it, not just, like, oh, is this dialogue tag good or whatever, but how are you shaping this narrative? Like, what are you doing to the story to make these characters believable? Like, that's the stuff I really enjoyed sort of watching them get to because that's the shit I like when I beta and I was like, oh,
0: (laughs) my children. (laughs) One of the fun things about this fic is that we get to see a lot of their online relationship, but we also get to see the first time they meet. And that also felt very different to me than like, how I would meet someone from the internet now, uh, case in point, my two co-hosts, <laughs> um, which was like pretty different. Like I had video chatted with Brenna before we met. Um, Reed and I kind of fast tracked it. That's fine. Um, Worked out. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Um, but it wasn't like I had no idea who either of them were. Like I I knew what you looked like. I knew some some basic details at least. Um, but for Arthur and Merlin, really, they what they knew of each other was, like, the sort of emotional bond they had created online, and that was kind of it. Um, and I think that is what we do see sometimes with these fandom fics where they do meet in person, or at least I have, where there is this huge reveal where they haven't, like, you know, sat on Skype for, like, two hours or whatever and talked to each other um there's there's a lot more resting on them meeting and like seeing each other in person and talking to each other in person um and it feels like their relationship kind of rests on that moment even though there's a lot of emotional development that happens beforehand um so i thought that was really interesting also the description of um arthur's <laughs> outfit was kind of a lot merlin i think merlin merlin's outfit yeah the everyone everyone in this thick
1: is kind yeah. of a
0: lot. <laughs> He, he's wearing an xkcd shirt and green trainers um if i'm recalling this correctly i don't have the fic in front of me right now but it's it's something like <laughs> i'm i'm not shy i'm just introverted <laughs> uh uh-huh. it's like okay merlin cool that's truly when i was like embarrassed
1: for them a little bit in yeah. i wasn't embarrassed before that but i was like please don't judge him too
0: harshly <laughs> it's just funny and like we also get to see how much of a BNF Arthur is, because they're just like sort of standing in line talking in their group, like kind of awkward, everyone talking to each other and like standing in line together. Um, and then somebody mentions like Arthur's Pendragon and like the girls in line in front of them turn around and are like, oh my god, can I get an autograph? And he's <laughs> like, What? <laughs> and it becomes a whole thing. Like he he sort of has his own fandom. They're like tweeting about him and stuff. I just thought it was so funny.
2: I also was particularly fond of the moment. It's like at the end of the day, of the con, they, they go to this like party where they can like meet the cast of the TV show, um, and Merlin and Arthur at a table and like some of the cast members come around and like one of the cast members, I don't know who, I don't, I don't know the show. One of the cast members, like they start talking about fan fiction and the guy's like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like I read like a pretty good fic, like, it was about these, like, crystal caves, which, like, is the fic that Arthur was writing that Merlin was beta um, and Arthur obviously goes just into shock mm-hmm. and goes numb, He but, just has an out-of-body experience. Uh-huh, but me as a reader, I was like, you know what, good for this non-author for putting in, like, their, your name dreams of, like, having a chill, a chill fic chat with some mm-hmm. of the cast members of the show you're writing about.
0: Yeah, being acknowledged without- embarrassment and or horror by the cast of the show for your (laughs) fan fiction that you wrote about their characters
1: yeah so this fic is kind of just a time capsule of fandom at this time and and prior to this time honestly um it was really fun to revisit both Uh, sort of this fandom for me. It's always fun to come back to Merlin fandom. It was like my first true fandom love. So I'm always happy to like be in this space, I think. Um, But also to kind of revisit just what fandom looked like at this time, um, how people interacted what media fic looks like like this is media fic and it's so different than what it would look like today if we were depicting fandom um yeah so it's also just like a very fun fic to come back to as someone whose uh relationship with fic is often beta-ing and whose relationship with like reading fic at this time was largely on kink meme platforms um it was really fun to come back and and read something that was just such a perfect encapsulation of that feeling. Um, yeah, so I love talking about it and I was really glad to get to discuss it.
0: So, my fic for this episode is called Skybird by Windswept Fic. It is a crossover fic. The first fandom is the movie Inception, and the second one is the TV show White Collar. So if you are not familiar with one or both of those fandoms, I'll give you some context as we do on this show. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Inception. So Inception is a movie in which a team of people who have varying skills decide, well, they don't decide. They are assigned. Do I remember how this goes? <laughs> they they do stuff in dreams. The entire, <laughs> I know Inception. I've seen it twice. Which is more than I've seen most That's movies. That's
2: astounding, actually, that you've seen it twice. The first
0: time was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, in a class in high school. That's a bold choice. And we we had nothing to do that day, so we just watched Inception.
2: That movie is really long.
0: It was academic decathlon, so we had, like, a two-hour period after school. Every day, the ficklets learn something about me that makes me seem so much cooler than they already <laughs> thought I was. Um, no, they, the idea of Inception as a concept is to go into someone's dream and plant an idea and make them think that it was their own. So, um, you don't need to know that much about the movie, honestly. The fake is predominantly from the POV of a character from White Collar who gets sort of the tangential stuff about Inception, but he doesn't really get involved with that stuff. Um, Arthur and Eames are two of the characters of Inception, um the fandom really latched onto them they are a very big pairing i think historically just like across fandom um i would say in like the early 2010s was a very big um time for them in the movie do they have that much basis to be a ship Uh, i mean they're two white guys who had one flirty exchange so yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) am i lying i mean no yeah, so that's kind of the Inception side. That's really most of what you need to know, honestly. They are two guys who do dream-sharing stuff and are a little bit on the wrong side of the law, except, like, Arthur has his own thing on the side of the law. We'll get into it. Um, Yeah, so, Inception. White Collar is a TV show in which the main character is named Neil Caffrey. He is a con artist and an art forger, just, like, generally a criminal Um, in, yeah, I mean, like, like a smooth-talking criminal, though, um, played by Matt Bomer, so, you know, bit of charm. Um, in the show, he is caught and essentially ends up working with the FBI, I think, to help, you know, catch other criminals and stuff. So that's, that's how that goes. Again, like, he's a child in this fic, so most of that stuff hasn't happened. (laughs) And he has a bit of a different backstory in this fic because he is adopted by Arthur and Eames, which does not happen in the show White Collar, (laughs) just FYI. Um, He also has a friend named Mozzie, who's like his cool art forger sort of friend who has a lot of connections in the criminal world and occasionally helps out with their FBI stuff, I guess. So that's fun for them. That's really what you need to know about the fandoms. Um, This fic, while it does pull from both canons, for sure, and I think it is very fun um, to catch little details if you know things about the canons, um, of which I have seen at least a good portion of both for once. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, Like, there's- it definitely rewards you for your knowledge, but I would also say that it's not impossible to read and understand at least a good portion of what's happening and, like, enjoy it if you're not familiar intimately with both canons. In terms of content warnings, I would say the main one, and really the only one that I can think of, is graphic depictions of violence. Um, it doesn't get, like, super gory, but it also definitely is quite violent due to the fact that they're doing criminal activity and, like, upset people. Um, there is some gun violence and a little bit of trauma associated with that afterwards from our um, POV character, so FYI about that. Because um, it's not tagged. It's The creator chose not to use archive warnings on AO3. Yeah, it does originally come from a kink meme prompt, but it is, you know, hosted on AO3. For this purpose, at least. It's also hosted on LiveJournal, but we pull the AO3 links. I think that's easier for a lot of people. Um, for me, at least, because that's where I read most fic. Yeah, um, so that's the general sort of deal. Oh, this was a recommendation from one of our ficlets so long ago when we first shared our um, fic rec form for people to submit. So thank you to Janie at Panyo Prince. Uh, this was really fun. It was in my marked for later for so long, ever since it was recommended. I was like, what on earth? That sounds interesting. And then just never read it. But finally I was like, what if I did read it? Wow. It's so good as it turns out. <laughs> so I was rewarded for that, which I appreciated. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the intro spiel for this fic. What did y'all think?
2: So once again, coming into a fic with missing some key knowledge. Um, I think my theme, my personal theme for this episode is doing my best with the limited Mm -hmm. knowledge that I have.
0: (laughs) I think that's beautiful.
2: Thank you. Aspirational. Um, yeah. I did not know a single thing about white collar. And when I say I didn't know a single thing, like, like, literally nothing. I went on Wikipedia, I read, like, a three-sentence summary, and I was like, that's fun. (laughs) Now I know a couple things. Um... So for me, reading this fic, Neil was for all intents and purposes an OC. Like, Arthur Names, very familiar with. I loved Inception a lot as a movie. Um, I have brought a fic for it on the pod. Um, So then I was familiar with Neil. I was like, and now they have a son. Like, this is fun. <laughs> that being said, I had a lot of fun with this fic. When you had originally told us the premise, and like, I, I did remember someone had submitted it ages ago, but when you had said like, oh, like, Arthur Names adopt Neil... I didn't know what that was going to look like, and yet somehow I was still surprised by it, um, because a teenage Neil tries to steal Eames's wallet, and then, like, very shortly after, pretty much just gets, like, unofficially and then officially adopted by them, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what I was imagining, like, I wasn't thinking, like, baby acquisition, and yet somehow was still- Teen acquisition. Teen, teen acquisition, um, you know, when you see a criminal teen and you go, That's my new son. <laughs> yeah. I also was once again delightfully surprised by this fic because um it's split into three chapters, and in the first chapter, like the story that you're getting with Arthur and Eames does not relate at all to the Inception movie. Um and so I was like, Oh, okay, like it says it's a crossover, but I guess it's just sort of like taking Arthur and Eames and um like Painting a fun story of, like, three criminal grifter types, like, in a found family thing. Um, and then it surprised me by going into the plot of the movie Inception. (laughs) Like, this fix sort of gives you, like, the prelude and then up through the whole thing, pretty much, um, all from Neil's point of view. And I found that so fun. Um... Because when I was first reading, I was like, oh, okay, I was like, this is good. I was like, I'm a little bit sad that, like, the technology from Inception isn't here just because I think that's so fun. And, like, if you're gonna have a crossover, like, I love details like that. And then the fic was like, haha, surprise, like, it is here after all. Um, But I think it makes total sense to have that be, like, obfuscated at first. Like, like, Arthur and Eames make a couple obscure comments that I was like, is this, is this about the dream technology? And it was, but it makes sense because you're in Neil's head that, like,
0: it wouldn't ping.
2: <laughs> that wouldn't ping as anything. Um, so that was also a really fun discovery. So yeah, I I don't know. I really enjoyed this fic.
1: Yay. Yeah, I feel like I'm like the opposite of Reed in this one. <laughs> <laughs> you hated the fic. No, um, I was op- the opposite of Reed in, in coming into this fic. Um, I'm obviously familiar with Inception. Um, I've watched the movie a few times. I know the characters. I was never in the fandom, really. But White Collar, I loved Um, It wasn't, like, one of my predominant fandoms ever. Like, I just don't feel like it got as big as other things I was into at the same time. But I was consistently, like, very invested in that show. (laughs) Like, I loved that show. Like, my username on the internet is because of White Collar. Like, my cat is named after a White Collar character. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: (laughs) that's where we were at for, like, high school Brenna. (laughs) um so I don't know I I sort of came into this with I think like excitement but also trepidation um just because I love Neil so much as a character in that show and I was a little bit like oh god what is this gonna be like to see him as a kid I feel like sometimes I feel like I am someone who who often these days enjoys kid fic but teenagers I feel like can be kind of hit or miss for me and like de-aging a character, I guess, or like going back mm. in their backstory to a time where we've never seen them. I wasn't really sure how the characterization was going to play out. So I was a little bit like, ah, like I just didn't, I didn't want to dislike it, you know, but I loved it. So it's actually fine. Yay. <laughs> no need to worry. Um, no, it was delightful. I thought the Neil of this was, made a lot of sense for like what we see him grow up to be. If anything, I kind of felt like this fic made him even more impressive than, like, he is in the show. I mean, he's a very competent person in the show, both in his criminal, like, aspects and in his, like, workings with the FBI, but this Vic teaches him so much. Like, now he knows all of that shit and he knows the Inception shit and they taught him, like, six languages (laughs) and they taught him all these other things and I was like, damn, Neil, like, all right. That's a lot. <laughs> um, so if anything, I was sort of like, Wow, he's even more like well developed at the end of this thing <laughs> Um, which was fun, honestly. And like, it makes sense too. I I don't know, it was I think like I'm someone who's always enjoyed sort of heist, like, forgery movies and media. I love like imagining getting to do those things, even though I think I would suck at it. Like, I really think I would be a very bad, like criminal in those (laughs) regards i have far too much anxiety to like smoothly pull off any of their sort of like confidence moves you know um i think i would just like sweat and drop the painting but i always loved reading that so there's sort of these almost like training sequences in this fic i feel like where like arthur and eames are teaching neil different skills that i just found so purely delightful and like indul and like indulgent as a reader so I found that really fun. Um, I did not experience the wanting the Inception technology feeling because I forgot about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I know, like, what Inception is about. But when I started reading this fic, because it wasn't there, I was like, okay, we're just, like, treating Arthur and Eames as themselves outside of that technology. Like, it still is very much their characters as, like, their criminal backgrounds, their personalities, and... Stuff like that, but I just kind of assumed we were throwing the rest of it out the window a little bit or like adapting those characters in other ways. We know that Arthur is like in connection or like works with Dom, but I kind of assumed he was just being adapted into like a slightly different character as well. So when they get to the point where they're where there's sort of like the first big reveal of the fact that the inception technology exists in this story, I was like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Like, I should have seen it coming, but I didn't, and that was really fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. This fic was really enjoyable to read. I think I would have loved, like, watching this as, like, a movie or a TV show as well. Like, mm-hmm. it felt very cinematic, I think. Um, the fight scenes or, like, the intense sort of conflict scenes were all really well written. Um, I could just, like, picture everything really well in my head, even though it is this mix of these two, like, pretty different pieces of media um like i wouldn't say a lot about like the cinematography style or like the soundtracking or like anything else about like inception or white color is the same but in my head they like fit together very well and yeah, this, yeah. this thing i could picture um like i think especially there's a scene in chapter one where it's sort of like neil's first like undercover mission a bit he like goes with eames um to meet with this like other uh, like criminal kingpin, I guess, kind of in like the New York society, um, because they kind of need to get a a hit that was out on Neil not not exist anymore. They have to like get rid of that hit that's been put out on him, um, and I could just picture everything so well in my head, like it fully played out like a movie scene, like soundtracking and everything, <laughs> which is like what I want. I love to be able to picture something like that realistically. Like I am someone who always reads with the images like, playing in my head, so I think, especially in fic, like, when an, when an author can emulate that
0: so well, um, it's just really rewarding. Yeah. I think the structure of the fic really lends itself to that, too, because it is three pretty much equal-length chapters, so it's almost, like, three acts. Ooh, I'm a film genius. <laughs> um, but I thought one really interesting thing about it was, like, I read the first chapter and I was like, wow, that was quick. Like, because it felt like the fic was kind of over, and then I was like, wait, next chapter. And then I read the next chapter, and I was like, there's a there's a third. Like, they felt like three almost separate one-shots, but at the same time, they were so interconnected that, like, it made sense to put them in the same fic. It was just, I, it wasn't something that I had really seen before, I don't think. Um, or at least not at this, I don't say at this level, but, like, to this extent where it is, like, three very contained stories about these characters that could only have existed with these dynamics in this one fic. (laughs) I don't know, it was just interesting, and like, cannot relate about picturing things in my head as I read, to be honest. Um, not a very visual person, um, but I definitely think there was something about the style of writing that did very much emulate both of the verses that it came from that worked so well, because I think... The premise, it could have gone wrong so easily, I feel like. (laughs) Like, this was not an easy thing to pull off, and so I think it made it all the more fun to read it and have it be handled so deftly and so well, and to really be able to enjoy the story with, like, your teenage protagonist who was only ever an adult man in canon.
2: Something that I found so delightful about this fic um, was the dynamic between Arthur and Eames and Neil, and, like... I don't know how much of this is because, again, like, I do not know Neil Caffrey literally at all in his canon. And so this just read, like, a very well-written O.C. to me. Um, but the the banter between the three of them and, like, the, the family dynamic that was going on was so funny. Because in some ways, like, Arthur and Eames are so protective of Neil, um... This fic takes place over the span of a couple of years, but Neil is always a teenager. I think the very end of the fic, he turns 18. Um, yeah, so he's like
0: 14 to 18, I think.
2: Yeah, so he's he's always um, younger, and so there is a lot of Arthur Names looking out for him and, like, being parental, but there's also a lot of times when, like, Neil is watching, like, Arthur Names, like, argue or, like, whatever, where he's like, ah, oh, yes, I have to take care of, like, like, I feel like the parent in this relationship, um, because Arthur and Eames can both be incredibly like bullheaded and stubborn in their own ways. Um and their relationship is also a little bit unconventional. Um Arthur works for the, the CIA, the FBI, CIA the CIA in this fic. Um and Eames is just a criminal. And so like <laughs> um <laughs> Getting <with> Yeah <laughs> you know, I, I mean he is like he doesn't roasted he doesn't have no, like right. a like a a front, I guess in the same way that Arthur does. Um, and so there's a bit where like Arthur takes Neil to the Met and Dom calls, um, from Dom Cobb from Inception and Arthur's like on the phone. He's like, oh, what? Like, no, like I haven't seen Arthur for like months. Like I have no idea Mm -hmm. where he is. And Neil's like, oh, okay. I guess they're lying um, about the fact that they basically live together in this New York apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's like a whole bunch of complication going on there. And I just think it was very fun the way that Neil like slotted into their lives and the sort of back and forth that the three of them had.
0: Yeah, I think it was really interesting to me because we got to see so many different sides of what that dynamic looks like. Like in the beginning, we get kind of a skittish Neil who keeps running away from the homes that he's placed in um, until Arthur and Eames like put so much time and energy and effort into making him feel welcome and like he has a home. Um, Neil even confronts them at one point and is like, you're going to ask me to leave. Like, I know you are. You're being secretive. And they're like, we want to adopt you, (laughs) Uh, which is like. You you do have Neil who's, like, so prickly and so defensive at the beginning and so nervous and trying to take care of himself and preparing to run away. And you have Arthur and Eames who are, like, so confident. And then in the second chapter, you have this really, really dramatic altercation where someone from Eames's past comes and, like, essentially ties Arthur to a chair, like, kind of brutalizes him. This is where the graphic violence comes in, FYI. Um, While Neil is present and Neil like is near a gun and like sitting and watching and so much of the energy in that scene is on the one side devoted to Arthur and then later Eames trying to make sure that Neil is going to be okay and that he like is not going to be hurt that he even if something bad happens to like Arthur or Eames he'll still be okay. And on the other side, you have Neil's POV where he is freaking out, but also hyper-focused on how he can help resolve the situation, which he ends up doing. Um, which I thought was a really interesting push and pull, because then it goes right into the third chapter, where Arthur and Eames end up essentially separating for a year for work reasons, and then when they come back together, it's, like, this whole issue, and they're, like, not really talking to each other, and Neil is like, you idiots. So, of course, as any teen would do, his plan to get them back together is to put himself in danger by, uh, planning to steal the Mona Lisa and attempting it, even though he knows... He will not be able to succeed. <laughs> so they have to pick him up while he's on the run from what seems like the entire Parisian police force. Um, which, like, it felt so Neil. And it also felt like such a great rounding out of that dynamic of, like, they took care of him for so long. Now this is his hairbrained way of taking care of them. I just really liked it.
1: I can't believe I'm going to have to go watch White Collar after this.
0: I honestly have been thinking that too. I don't even watch television and my brain is like, what if I watch season one of White Collar? Let's watch season one of White Collar. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah, one thing I really liked about this fic, and it it sort of goes along with a couple scenes that we've already mentioned, but just is another aspect to them, I guess, is how information is revealed in this fic, I thought was really well done. Um, I think it can be hard to have impactful, like, reveals in fic that don't either feel, like, confusing or heavy-handed, or, oh, I already saw that coming, Um, and I think this fic felt, this fic found its, path very well in those situations I think the two for me that really stuck out were uh one a scene that Reed already mentioned where Neil sort of realizes that their the relationship between Arthur and Eames isn't sort of as clear as he thought it had been um I just think it's so I thought it was so well done it's sort of this first scene where um Arthur (laughs) it's sort of the scene where like Neil is out with Arthur for like the first time watching how Arthur does some of his sort of like criminal stuff but it's it's the stuff arthur is teaching him is also perfectly like white collar neil content like everything about like oh like if you just wave to someone they'll wave back to you so it seems like you know someone kind of tricks like i thought that part was so delightful and so everything's going really well and then he overhears this phone call with dom and that's when he realizes like oh okay like there's a lot more here that's like complicated that i don't know yet, and I thought that that reveal was handled so well. Like I just really didn't see it coming in that moment, but it also didn't feel too strong or overpowering. Like I thought the balance was really well done, and then later on when, um, Neil sort of first learns about the inception technology during this like really intense scene where, like, basically this this guy from Eames's past is like holding them mm-hmm. hostage and like threatening Arthur and Neil, um. So that Eames will, like, give up some information on, like, past people they'd worked with. Yeah. Um, and they're having this conversation that obviously includes, like, mentions of the technology because that was the job that this person and Eames had worked on. And Neil's like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: like, he truly has no clue what is happening. And I thought it was done so well. And I just love those moments in, like, a TV show or a movie, too. Like, they're so indulgent when you first get that moment where it's, like... You get that reveal and you're like oh, like a literal gasp because you you kind of know what it what it's saying but you didn't see it coming um i just found it so rewarding and i think it kind of goes along with me feeling very like in it in this world and feeling like i'm sort of watching the story play out in front of me in a very realistic manner like i just had everything i i wanted from this fic in terms of all of those sort of delightful little reveals that worked so well to sort of push the narrative along but also keep me as a reader like very invested in the direction it was going
0: yeah I really loved that scene like it was so intense and I feel like oh I feel like I always want that kind of intense like slightly heart racing action when I'm reading stuff like it's it's something that I think can be really tough too when you're like reading fic that warns for stuff. (laughs) I think it's good to warn for things. Um, I also think that for me, sometimes if I know it's coming, I'm like braced in a different way. This fic had like no tags on it, whatever. I was ready to just jump in. But But um, I think even if it had tagged for things like
1: gun violence, like I wouldn't have seen that scene coming, you know?
0: So... Yeah, no. I think it's it's a combination of things, and, and the main portion of it definitely is just the way that the author set up the scene, and I just really appreciated being able to be like, ah, while I was reading. <laughs> I think I'm always looking for that a little bit. So yeah, uh, Skybird by Windswept Fick is the fic that we just discussed, and it is a fic where a very, very unexpected premise ended up creating something... Very fun, very delightful, very rewarding for people who are interested in these fandoms. I had a great time reading it. I really liked the different twists and turns that it took you on um, and the unexpected nature of a lot of it. So would recommend that you give it a read if you're interested. And that's our discussion.
2: So my pick this episode is What All This Time Was For by Lady underscore Ragnall. It is for the TV series Daredevil, um, and the pairing is Matt Murdock, Foggy Nelson. So in case you don't know what Daredevil is, um, it's a Netflix show that is produced by Marvel um, based on the superhero of the same name. Um, I technically think it is supposed to fit into MCU canon, but honestly, the show is like really separate from the movies both in terms of plot and also tone um the netflix series along with like some of the other marvel netflix shows um i think are a little bit darker in plot they're a little bit grittier um the violence is a little bit more graphic i have watched daredevil i watched the first season when it aired in 2015 like tore through it super quickly then didn't watch much else um but this fic I think is canon compliant only up through season one. So I'm going to give you context for season one. And if there's anything that's out of date, I'm sorry, but I, I think, I think I've got it all covered. Um, so Matt Murdock, who is our main character, um, when he's very young, he's exposed to some radioactive substance that gets into his eyes and, um, it renders him blind, but it also greatly enhances his other senses. Um, at some point in his childhood, an old man named Stick Teaches him martial arts and, like, general crime fighting. That's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, as, like, Matt Murdock, the regular everyday person, he goes to law school and then opens up a law firm with his best friend, Foggy. Um, and then at night, he puts on a costume and assumes the identity of Daredevil and beats up bad guys in Hell's Kitchen. So that's sort of his his deal. Nobody really knows about his secret identity, um, Foggy included. In the first season, the big bad is a guy named Wilson Fisk, who they managed to take down, um, through a court case through their law firm. Um, throughout the process of doing that, Foggy does discover that Matt is Daredevil and that he has all of these superpowers. There's also a woman named Karen, who starts out as one of their clients and then ends up working at the firm with them. She's great. We love Karen. Anyone else in this fic I assume is an OC or is a reference to a Marvel character? I don't know. But I'm pretty sure, like, that's all you need to know. So, that all being said, this fic is pretty lighthearted. Um, I know I said that it was canon-compliant and that the, like, TV series is, like, grittier and darker than the MCU, but this fic is- is just a good time, I think. It's canon-compliant through season one, and so it takes place, like, sort of just after Foggy has found out this stuff about Matt and is sort of grappling with, like, the new information. And- As he's doing that, uh, Foggy gets an invitation from his high school for his 10-year reunion, and Matt and Karen and, like, some of Foggy's family members basically bully him into going. Matt accompanies him as his, uh, date and his pretend boyfriend. And that's the fic. Um, so I don't really have any content warnings for the fic itself, but I think I would just, again, say that if you were interested in the source material to know that it is, um, it does have some, like, graphic violence and things like that.
0: I have seen most of the first season, but I could not watch more of it because of the violence specifically. It was just a little too gory for me. So, FYI.
2: Yeah, but none of that is brought into this fic, and I Mm. do not expect it to be present in our conversation either. The only other thing I wanted to point out is, like, not really a content warning, but just something that stood out to me as I was reading, which is that, um, you know, as mentioned, Matt is blind and foggy for, like, most of the time that they've been friends- just thinks that he's blind and does not know that he has these enhanced senses. Um, And this fic is set shortly after he discovers that Matt is sort of a superhero. And so the fic is from Foggy's POV, and there is a lot of narrative about Foggy, like, wondering what exactly, like, Matt's capabilities are. I don't think any of this was handled, like, poorly at all. Like, I I think it was all fine, but I just wanted to point out that, like, there is, um, I guess a lot of, like, discussion or at least, like, internal narration about sort of the limitations of Matt's blindness but also his other senses and like how that sort of relates to the way that he interacts with the world. But yeah as I had said in the intro I had a little bit given up on finding a kink meme um because I just was not finding much I mean I was searching through AO3 collections and whatnot. I genuinely do not remember how I came across this fic but I was like "Ooh, like fake dating is a thing I enjoy like maybe I'll just read this fic for fun and then found out it was part of a kink meme and I was like amazing thank you so much Lady Ragnell. it's exactly what I wanted. This fic was just very fun. Like, I don't feel like I have a better way to, um, summarize it apart from that. It feels very much like a hallmark of fake dating. Um, and also, even though I had not interacted with, like, Daredevil, like, I've not really, like, thought about the canon since I watched it in 2015, it reminded me of a lot of the things that I loved about the show. Like, I think Matt and Foggy's dynamic is so, so fun and is really well represented in this fic. So, I enjoyed it. But, yeah, what did you guys think? Yeah, I
1: thought it was very fun. Like, I feel like sometimes you just want, like, fan fiction, you know? (laughs) And this was fan fiction. Like, it just delivered on what it set out to do in the most perfect way and was just... Like, I feel like it was really... Like, you got what was on the package and that in itself can sometimes be so satisfying, It's like when you're craving a very specific food and you get that food and it's exactly what it tasted like in your mind. (laughs) And it's perfect. (laughs) I don't know how to explain this. No, that makes sense. Um, Like, yeah, because I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, it's just what it is on the package. Like, it doesn't necessarily sound like a compliment, but I think like for me it is. Like, when I'm looking for something that's something specific and then you get it and it's exactly what you wanted it to be like that is such a good feeling and I feel like that's what this fic was like granted I was not the one who went out to find it but it did really remind me of reading fic for Daredevil which I definitely did after I watched the first season I think I'm similar to both Reed and Nick and I watched season one I think I watched part or most of season two it got kind of intense for me I can usually handle um like a fair amount of kind of gore in tv shows but at a certain point i felt like it just that took up too much of the focus and i was kind of not as interested but i love the characters and i read a fic for after season one for sure so this kind of just took me right back to searching through that ao3 tag i don't think i've read this fic in specific before but it felt akin to other fics i'd read in a really delightful way like I just felt familiar with these characters and familiar with, like, their fic versions of themselves, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, it was really fun to revisit. I don't know. I think like this whole episode for me was just, like, revisiting old fandoms that I hadn't thought about in a hot sec in, like, a very fun way. Um, so I, I just I just enjoyed that experience. I think Foggy and Matt are, like, a very fun couple to read about. Um, I thought their characterization was really well done here. I liked Matt in particular, like, he's so stubborn about saying what he really, like, feels or means, I think, in this, um, and, like, sort of dancing around it, and I don't know, I, I like watching his, like, protective nature, I guess. It doesn't feel, like, too overwhelming, either, I feel like sometimes in stories, like, ooh, that's the protective one within here, a little bit like, oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll let the other one have some, like, agency. Right. It definitely didn't feel like that at all here. It just, I don't know, it was endearing to me, like, how much Matt wanted to, like, make sure Foggy was taken care of, I guess. Um, It was fun. I, I'm i pretty sure I have read High School Reunion fix before <laughs> because I feel like I have read, like, every possible fake dating premise on mm-hmm. the planet. <laughs> But, um, it was fun. We'll get into, like, more
0: specifics, I'm sure, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it really feels to me like, even though fandom disagrees on a lot of things, fake dating is not really one of those things. Like, I don't understand how I can read the same premise eight million times and find joy every single time. Mm -hmm. I have no way of explaining it.
2: I mean, I think that's kind of what fic is. Yeah, but like, especially this trope for mm-hmm. me, at
0: least, I feel like some tropes I'm like into it when I read like the first one, and I'm like, oh my god, and then I read other ones and I need them to like be a little bit different. Fake dating, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I'll read a trope and be into it for like a
1: particular pairing, and yeah. then I'll read it for something else and not and be like, oh, actually, I like this more for this
0: specific context. Mm-hmm. Fake dating, I'll read it for fucking anyone. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so that was real I mean that was it was a fun it was a fun fic. It was it was an interesting premise too because like it was very low stakes fake dating. Um I feel like this fic I didn't see what the prompt was, but I felt like I could tell what it was from the fic of like very much like they fake date at Foggy's high school reunion, people were mean to him, um, wants, like, protective Matt, like, getting together, do not want, heavy angst. Like, (laughs) I felt like I knew exactly what was going on there. And this fic hit all of those buttons, and I really appreciated it. I loved Karen in it. I thought she was awesome. Um, I thought Meg was a really hilarious character, and, like, her whole situation was really fun. Um, And I thought the reunion like itself was written really well because I think when you're writing a scene where the main character is like having a lot of micro interactions that could go the same way over and over it can get really repetitive and boring or there can feel like an obligation to like really mix things up and like go wild with it and this fic like it was restrained in that sense, but it didn't feel at all like it was boring. Every single interaction brought something new. Every single person that we got to meet through Foggy, like, all of his high school bullies and stuff. I don't know, it was interesting, and it felt so true to, like, growing up and, like, being an adult, and, like, everyone's actually, I don't know, kind of mellow for the most part. Um, I don't know, it's, like, it, it, we have Foggy, who obviously, like, didn't have a great time in high school, but he was kind of fine. And I really appreciated that that level of distance and, like, building a new life and stuff gave him that. Meanwhile, Matt's like, everyone who hurt you, I will kill them. And Foggy's like, please. <laughs> he didn't say he would kill them. He was pretty chill.
2: Well, but, well, Foggy was like, can you promise not to kill anyone? And Matt's like, true. I won't make a scene. And Foggy's like, well, that's not exactly the same thing. That was really good. I'll just kill them quietly
1: without a lot of mess. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Um, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, it is one of my favorite things, I think, about this fic is that, um, in the beginning when Foggy is sort of reminiscing on his high school experience, he's, like, he wonders, like, if he was the plot of, like, a bad teen rom-com. And by the end of it, he's sort of just, like, people are just people? Mm -hmm. Like, it felt, I think, very familiar, probably for a lot of people in that way, that when you're in high school, I think things seem so big and awful and world-ending and anything Mm -hmm. that happens to you that is bad is just, like, the worst thing you could ever experience. And with some hindsight, you're like, actually, it was, like, probably fine. Like, even if that thing sucked, like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, and there's an exchange sort of towards the end of the fic that I absolutely loved where... Matt is once again, like, being defensive, and he's like, these people don't appreciate you. Like, this this person who bullied you ten yeah. years ago, like, how dare he speak to you? Yeah, he doesn't um, know how
0: great you are. <laughs>
2: yeah. And Foggy- and you've
0: always been perfect. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, and Foggy ends up saying, like, probably half the people here who ignored me or whatever are not objectively awful people. Teenagers are just terrible. You weren't. Foggy laughs. Come on, buddy, you know that's not true. I was an asshole. I just didn't have the social credit to take it out on other people. Um." I thought that was just such a delightful exchange, um, first of all, the- the fun self-reflection of, like, oh no, I also kind of sucked a little, but, like, I really think it just does get back to that- that point that, um, I don't know, Foggy is, like, dreading this high school reunion, he doesn't want to go at all, and it's other people who make him go, and once he's there, he's like, none of this- none of this matters, um, like, all of the things that seem so big and scary are just sort of taken down to something very normal, um, and that was something I just really loved. I don't know. I, I really appreciated the way that this fic did that. Right.
0: Because, like, I wouldn't say that Foggy has fun at this reunion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, like, have a good time. He doesn't go and think, like, wow, I'm so glad I came. <laughs> like, that's not what it's about. And I, I'm also glad that it, it tempered the reactions in the end and the where, where it leaves you as a reader and where it leaves Foggy. Like, it, it is the vehicle for him and Matt sort of getting together properly. But it's not, like... Wow. You know what? I am great. And everyone who hurt me in the past sucks. And I feel great about myself. And I had fun. Like, no. <laughs> it's it's a very, like, oh, whatever. Like, I guess. I, I don't, it doesn't give me the sense that he would go to the next one. <laughs> but it also wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, like you said.
1: Yeah, I think that I really liked that part of it as well. And I think one of the things I appreciated about it was... In some ways, it wasn't necessarily diminishing foggy shitty high school experiences. It was just reflecting on the people involved in them in a different way. I think because yeah, I mean foggy definitely has distance and definitely isn't as emotionally like present in in those shitty high school things as he was when he was actually there. But I also don't think it like necessarily says oh well those like weren't important or those didn't affect you. Um, I think it more just says the people in them don't need to be as big in your mind anymore like i don't know i think that's how i think about high school like i don't think there's any denying for me that like things in high school were shitty and like (laughs) looking back on them doesn't really make them less shitty in some ways but i think the people involved like in like in anxieties i felt or in like negative situations like might have been very big in my mind at that point. And now I think I can look and just say, like, they are also just people who are probably just dealing with their own shit and who, at the end of the day, like most of us, are probably pretty boring. (laughs) Like, I (laughs) found it really fascinating the way a lot of the OCs in this fic were just very banal, like...
0: Yeah. And
1: I don't mean that in a negative way. I I think it's, like, the point is just, like, these people that he meets from his high school, like, their... their conversations are not interesting And the people themselves might be interesting in other regards, but when you're having small talk with someone at a high school reunion, you're not, like, getting deep about, like, philosophies of life. You're like, oh, (laughs) hey, like, you have a kid now. Like, that's cool. (laughs) Or like, oh, I'm sorry to hear your job sucks or whatever. Like, they're very simple small talk conversations. And I just enjoyed how plain a lot of it was, (laughs) like... Both these people who had bullied Foggy in high school as well as this, like, guy who he'd had a crush on and stuff. Like, everyone was just very normal. And I think that was the part I appreciated about it the most in mm-hmm. in that sense of the story.
2: That, like, contrasted with Matt being like, I will take down all yeah, of your yeah. enemies is also really funny. Because, yeah, Foggy's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, these are normal people, Matt. And Matt's, like, glaring. And, or, like, like, Foggy knows that Matt is more than capable of... Mm-hmm. Um, to, like literally murdering these people, or like causing them significant amounts of damage. And uh-huh. he's like, "They're not worth it." Yeah, I will say that. Like, the one thing that I found very fun, like, so most of Foggy's bullies, like one of them was like, "Oh, sorry, I was like an absolute ass in high school." Blah blah blah. There is like one bully who was like the worst of them all, and when they encounter him, he still sucks. Yeah, and something mm-hmm. about that was also very gratifying, like in the way that I I agree with you, Brenna. Like I. Really enjoyed that most of the people were just sort of normal There was also yeah I, I don't have another word for it apart from gratifying But there's something so good about like The justification almost of like Oh this person who was really shitty Yeah he still sucks And actually like I get to tell him that he sucks now. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that like confrontation with Conrad, um, Conrad. was also fun. <laughs> yeah, it was super. Oh, fully
0: agreed to be like in Foggy's POV and to have him be like, ha, 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 ha. "You suck, Conrad. We never liked you. Mm-hmm. Like I never liked you either, Conrad. Even though I'm just, I just met you when I started reading this." Film. <laughs>
1: But also in this way, where it's like, yeah, Conrad, you fucking suck. But like, you don't have any power over me either. Mm-hmm. Like, you just suck, and that it's honestly just sadder for you because like your little life is so sad, and you think it's good, but it's not, and you're clearly like unhappy with yourself as a person. Yeah, and <laughs> so bread. I'm like, now you have to deal with that. I guess
2: <laughs> something also that I really loved about this fic um, is that, as mentioned at the beginning of this, um, Foggy and Matt like they met in law school, and they um, like, have a law firm together, and the way that Foggy thinks about so many things is, like, couched in how it relates to, like, him being a lawyer. Like, there's Foggy, who is thinking about his cousin Meg, who he came with, and, like, her husband, who was, like, itching to get into a fight, and he's like, okay, we're trying to, like, keep your husband safe, but also, um, at the end of the fic, like, where Matt has spent this entire time just sort of stewing in anger at how no one appreciates Foggy, um, they decide to ditch, they go back to their hotel, and Matt kisses Foggy, and Foggy's like, okay, why, why did you do this? Like, did you do this because, like, like, Foggy spent this whole time being like, you're my pity date, he's like, did you do this because you're just, like, mad that people don't appreciate me? Like, what the hell, Matt? And Matt's like, no. So they have this, like, Not stilted conversation, but Matt is, like, really struggling to get out. Like, what he's feeling. Um, And when Foggy talks to him, Foggy goes, Would you like it if I kissed you again as a habitual action with intent for it to change our relationship? Matt's mouth quirks. This isn't a prosecutable crime counselor. Like, was <laughs> so nerds. fun. And there's like, Foggy's Absolute like- Absolute nerds. Foggy's like thinking about how Matt can like sense heartbeats and he's like, but heartbeats like aren't admissible in like court of law. It was just like that framing of their coming together and also Foggy thinking about it in this like kind of analytical way as it relates to their job was so wonderfully delightful for me.
0: Yeah, well, because that makes sense, too, because they don't negotiate this fake dating. It doesn't really even start until they get there. And Foggy and Matt are introduced, you know, as like partners because they're partners in law. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but Matt very much not only lets people think that they're romantic partners, but like leans into it. Um, and Foggy's like, a. Oh, okay, what's happening? And like like you said, like, he pities him in that sense. Um That's Foggy's biggest worry, that Matt just feels bad for him and thinks that, like, people will think like, he's pathetic if he's not dating someone, blah, blah, blah. Um, But, like, it makes so much sense that that would be so uncomfortable for Foggy to sit with because there are no parameters. There was no negotiation about it. Like, it just happened. There aren't any, like, rules. Um Which is interesting because I feel like fake dating – Really runs the gamut on the one side of, like, very spontaneous, like, either this kind of a thing or, like, in the moment someone's like, oh my god, kiss me, my ex is right there, (laughs) versus, like, pages and pages of negotiation uh, when they're, like, setting parameters and deciding exactly what is allowed and what's not allowed and what their plans are and all that stuff, so... I think it's a really good contrast against the end of the fake where they're trying to define their real relationship in legal terms when the initiation of the fake one was so sort of wishy washy yeah it's it's funny too because you get the sense that Matt has
1: sort of played along with these things before mm-hmm. too, like um in some of these conversations Foggy's having with his sister Meg, who he also went to high school with like before they go to the reunion, you sort of get this sense of like either their family or other people kind of, like, making presumptions about Foggy and Matt and, like, them being in these sort of situations before. Like, this is not the first time that this has sort of come up. Um, but this is, you also get the sense that this is slightly more extreme than the other times. Um, but I also like the moment where I think, like, it goes from Matt really being the one who sort of pushing the assumptions onto other people sort of doing the little things that make whoever they're talking to assume that they're together in like a romantic way to it being foggy who's sort of doing that work um because like there is one person they talk to later on where foggy's the one sort of being like oh yeah like this is my partner and stuff and i like that switch i just felt like it it balanced sort of the playing field between them in a moment where we needed it i think if it had only been matt pushing it wouldn't have felt as welcome. Um, I like that we see, once they've sort of gotten the, like, pity thing cleared up, I like that, like, we see Foggy sort of lean into that side of it as well.
2: So, when I was reading this fic, like, I was aware, I am aware, that Daredevil is a show produced by Marvel. And he is a Marvel superhero. But both because the TV series feels so separate from the movies, and also because this fic was even a little bit separated from its canon in terms of tone. I had kind of like forgotten. I feel like this is similar to Bren's comment where you were surprised at the last fake where you're surprised that Inception was a thing where they're like <laughs> the crossover was Inception. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a bit where they're talking to someone who used to be one of Foggy's bullies who is now just kind of chill, um, and they're like, "Oh, like what are you up to these days?" And he's like, "Oh, I was like in the military. I got out like before they had me chasing down Shield fugitives." And I was like, "Before, before you what?" I was so, like, Uh taken aback by the fact that, like, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 wait, this is in the Marvel Universe, like, that actually makes a lot of sense, and, like, later there's a mention where Foggy's like, yeah, unless you bring home Captain America, and I was like, Mm -hmm. my brain was, like, breaking trying to think about that. I don't know, I I think there was some crossover that the Netflix series did, maybe with the movies. There was some sort of crossover thing, but I didn't watch it, so that just, like, caught me way off guard in a way that was, like, not... Not bad of the fic, just, like, a funny reading experience.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I feel like there's a lot that is happening in the Marvel (laughs) Cinematic Universe, to be honest, that I don't really understand. Um, Daredevil and, like, Jessica Jones and, like, Luke Cage, I think, are Mm -hmm. all sort of the same vibe. Um, And, like, I've seen, seen, like, a season of Jessica Jones, not to flex my TV watching this episode (laughs) just so much. Very good. Also very, very
2: heavy. I like to imagine um, someone maybe listening to this as their first episode Mm. being like, why is there so much insistence on like what Nick has and hasn't seen?
0: It's just I'm the blueprint Mm -hmm. for TV watching in this day and age. (laughs) And Uh amongst the three of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, but it's just it is, I definitely forget that like those things are Marvel. I forget that S.H.I.E.L.D. is Marvel too. I did watch a lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh wow. my god, I did. Um And, like, even that, that is more connected to the MCU for me just because of, like, Phil Coulson. But mm-hmm. to have that, S.H.I.E.L.D., Captain America, and Matt Murdock mm-hmm. all in the same, like, few paragraphs, that's too much for me. I, I'm, I've gotten overwhelmed. <laughs> Crossover of the century,
2: but it's just the Marvel
0: franchise yeah. within itself. It's funny because I feel like if I was
1: reading something that was, like, sort of more like movie MCU, but like maybe it's like a gritty take on one of the characters, mm-hmm. like what they're doing like in their time away from like just the Avengers missions or something, and like someone from the TV show showed up, like Matt or Jessica Jones or mm-hmm. any of those other people from those shows showed up. I don't think I'd be that surprised. But then if like Captain America shows up in like a Jessica Jones fanfiction, I'd be like, holy that shit, Steve. Really Steve, so <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> like, I don't know. There's something about the TV shows that feels, like, I can, I can elevate those characters up one notch, but then if anyone else, like, comes into that world, I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> even though, yeah, they are technically all the same universe, and I think, like, can wise we know that they, like, know of each other. Yeah. I don't know if they know each other. I don't know. My MCU knowledge is, is flawed, Um, even though I have watched all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... But yeah, it is it is funny. It sort of makes me wanna read what, what else exists out there in yeah. terms of like Marvel Netflix show versus MCU movie crossover kind of stuff. Cause I know there's stuff for SHIELD, but I'm I'm curious about
0: like the the Netflix show Great. world. I don't know. We'll find out next time on FitClick. No, we probably won't. <laughs> Fit click <laughs>
1: investigates MCU crossovers within
0: itself. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so that was What All This Time Was For by Lady underscore Ragnall. Um, a very delightful fic, a perfect example of classic fake dating, quite a lighthearted fic in comparison to its source material, but I think also very true to the dynamics of the characters that make that show so good and engaging. I think it's a really good look at um, how things from your past that seem big and scary, like, don't always have to be that way. But also getting the sweet justification of getting to tell your high school bully to fuck off. I think those things are both valid. Um, no, this is just a very, very delightful fic all around. And I'm glad you guys enjoyed it.
0: Okay, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Fit Click. We hope you enjoyed it. If you are looking for more interaction with us, your hosts, or fellow ficlets, you can do so on our social media. You can find us at fitclick at Twitter or Tumblr at fitclick.tumblr.com. We also have a Discord server that is linked via our Twitter uh, where we do a lot of fun stuff. We hold events, people do writing sprints together, people recommend fic or request recommendations or share pictures of pets or daily life. Something we are running through our Discord server very soon, Uh, we're super, super excited about it, is what we are calling Fick Brunch. Um, If you are a devoted FitClick fan, then you will know that this podcast was not always simply a podcast. Um, It started as the three of us just going to get brunch and talking about fan fiction, because this is just what we're like in real life. (laughs) Um, So we decided that it would be really fun to bring that to our community. So our first fic brunch is going to be happening the third or fourth weekend in September, if you are interested in potentially joining. Uh, We're just going to do one work of fanfiction for the brunch so that we're not holding everyone for as long as it takes us to record an episode because eek! Um, And there's also going to be a lot of folks and a lot of voices Um, So we want to make sure everyone gets a chance to talk and talk to each other and connect over the fic. So if you're interested, please, please check out our Discord uh, linked via Twitter and our pinned tweet. Uh, We would love to have you, and that would be the way that you sign up.
2: Other ways that you can get in touch with us um, or just show your support as a ficlet, um, you can email us at ficclickpod at gmail.com. We also have merch. We have a Redbubble with some wonderful designs by Brenna. Um, You can also find that via our Twitter. Normally, this is the part of our outro where we would talk about what fix we're bringing for the next episode. But next episode is going to look a little bit different. Uh, Brenna, why don't you tell us about it? Yes. Um, so if you
1: follow us on Twitter, you've probably seen us mention this, um, but we are going to be starting a series of episodes that we're calling Fandom Classics Series. Um, these aren't going to be all at once. So it's not like, oh, the next five episodes or something, they're going to be sprinkled throughout the upcoming months. Um, but our first one is going to be our next episode. So in these, we are just discussing one work of fan fiction instead of our usual three. We're going for fics that we felt like sort of had this fandom classic status put upon them. Um, fics that have just become hugely popular, uh, things that have really remained popular as well throughout the last X number of years of fandom, things that get wrecked heavily outside of uh, their particular fandom. So we're starting out with one that was sort of our suggestion, but we're also taking suggestions from listeners for future episodes and we ran a poll to sort of decide which fic we'd kick it off with um so our next episode will be entirely dedicated to the fic united states v barnes um, by falling voices and radial arch it is a captain america fic um, steve bucky it is a entirely media fic um i'm really excited to get into our discussion of it i think this is going to be really cool um i hope you guys come join us for it uh and I feel like we'll also be discussing this fic extra in our server as well, if you want to come join us in there as well. Um, uh, So if you have, like, feelings or opinions about this fic and want to have a sort of a chat about it with other fans, come join us in our server as well.
2: You can look forward to that episode coming out on September 18th. We hope you tune in for that. Bye. Bye!